You see, nobody wants to have a presentation. They want to have a conversation. Why do we run into this thing where so many people despise? Oh, you're an insurance agent. You know that. Uh, because they're turned off by somebody who wore plaid and showed up at their door pitching some presentation. What they do want to have is they do want to have a conversation. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Have you ever thought, what does it mean to have a mind for sales? On today's episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast, Mark Hunter, the sales hunter, comes on and talks about all things having a mind for sales. If you are a salesperson yourself, if you lead a sales team, which I know many of you do, this is an absolutely cannot miss episode. We talk about the importance of relationships and being outcome focused. We talk about compensation and hiring. We talk about how to reorientate the mindset of our customer care service-based team members so that they can see exactly how they can contribute to the overall new production sales in the business. We definitely talk about prospecting and why do we procrastinate and how can we get out of that? And then we talk about a concept that I just love. He talks about trust is currency in business and specifically in sales. I think you're going to love this episode. Without further ado, let's get into it. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Mark, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, so am I. So we always love to start with background and origin story. I think it's so fascinating to just hear people's backstories and how they got to where they are today. So for people that maybe don't know you and don't know your story, tell us a little bit about you and how you got to do and what you do today. Well, with the last name of Hunter, and you'd say, okay, he's known as the sales hunter. He's probably a born salesperson. Well, let me tell you something. There's a lot more to that story. I did not want to go into sales. There was no way sales was in my future. I went to college, got a degree in marketing, was all set to graduate. Problem was I ran to the police a few too many times. I should say speeding tickets. I got like four tickets in the course of a couple months. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was harmed. But the problem was my insurance company 
it wasn't that they didn't like me. They were just inviting me into the high risk pool. And that was a letter I got a couple months later. So what happened was I could no longer afford car insurance. It was very simple. So using my astute college degree, I decided to get a job that would supply me with a car. That is how I wound up in sales. How about that? Appropriate for our listening audience being insurance agency owners. Yeah. Now it gets even better because now think about this, because you're going to get a sales job with a company that doesn't do background checks on driving records. You can imagine that it wasn't much of a sales job. I got fired from my first two sales jobs. And it wasn't on my third sales job, third company car, that my boss sat me down and said, sales is about really understanding the customer. It's about relationships. You really have to understand what is the outcome. You're not selling a product. You're not selling a service. It is the outcome that the customer is looking for. And that began turning on light bulbs in my head. And that changed my whole sales career. So I've got so many questions for us to talk about. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk more about outcomes, habits, compensation, hiring, et cetera, for salespeople. Whenever you talk about this person that was really kind of spoken to your life about sales, and he was talking about relationships and outcomes, ultimately, whenever you hear that, I mean, we've all heard that before about sales is relationship-based. So I mean, I get it. That's not a profound statement. But what was it about that whenever he talked to you that really began to transform your career in sales that ultimately you feel like is the biggest difference between what you see today whenever you're working with companies that have sales teams and they're not relationship focused? Well, back then it was a simple fact that if I don't change, I'm going to lose this company car too. So no, no, okay, let's put that aside. It really came down to really beginning to understand and it began changing a mindset because up to that point in time, I was viewing each customer as if it was a transaction. I was viewing customers as if they were bowling pins. Just knock them down, take their money, move on to the next customer. And when he began talking to me and began sharing with me, and I began realizing that, no, sales is not a transaction. Sales is really about lifetime customer value. Now, we talk about that a lot in the insurance industry. There's nothing new about that. But it's really understanding what their needs are and understanding. And that really began to transform me where I could take a single customer and now begin to move them into other products and continue to build out. And suddenly what happened was it began to change how I viewed sales because now I truly viewed that I was helping the customer achieve something they didn't think was possible. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. People don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I think I need to get fire insurance. No, they just really just don't unless they had a bad dream. Same thing about auto insurance, but they know that they need it because it's the fear, it's the risk. One of the things that we do in insurance is risk mitigation. How do we help them really quantify risk, whether you're a homeowner, whether you're a business owner? Mm -hmm. That's what you're trying to do. So with the messaging, the marketing messages that are out there from all of the companies, all of the big companies, even down into companies like the general, et cetera, it is all price. 15 minutes and 15% or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, to the point to where you almost feel like if you just switched companies every month, ultimately the companies would pay you to have your insurance with them. So how do we as insurance agency owners begin to try to change and cultivate that relationship so that it's not just about price and the commoditization? How can we begin to decommoditize the experience and build the relationships so that we can be relationship and outcome focused? Well, you'll always be able to save money by going someplace else. Again, that's the line that's every insurance company else. 
Now, what we have to do is we have to come back. And I love to say, when I work with agents, I share with them. I says, you know, it's interesting, but uh, just share with you a person who just had a claim and the issues that they went through trying to get it. I'm looking outside my house right now and people across the street, they had a major, major issue with their house because the recent storms that we had here through much of the country, they were building a pool in their backyard, the contractor, the pipes froze, they broke. Now you can imagine the insurance issues between this homeowners insurance, contractors insurance, subcontractors, all the other issues at hand. And you can imagine that who do I want representing me? I want to make sure that I have an agent who I know is going to represent my interest the best and is backed up by the right carrier. You see, so I mean, all I have to do is share with somebody an example. And we've all seen these examples and nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'm going to go get an accident. But I'll tell you what, as soon as you do get an accident and you got cut rate insurance and suddenly you realize that they won't even cover you on a rental car, you have no wheels and you begin to convey a couple of stories like that. That's where you begin to say there's a certain element of price focused shopping that you'll never be able to eliminate. Let's not kid ourselves. And I'll tell you what, if you're focused on just getting the lowest price customers out there, the lowest price clients out there, you know what? You may attract them on price, but you'll lose them on price. Don't set your sights on playing against that bottom 15%. That is not a way you build an agency. Your book that came out exactly a year ago, March of 2020, and we talked about this yesterday when we were just catching up before our call. And I'm going to talk to you about that because I thought the points that you made about releasing in the middle of the pandemic, especially March of last year, was crazy. So I want to get to that in just a little bit. But the name of your book, Mind for Sales, obviously, it all begins first with mindset. And mindset has come up on this podcast, not every podcast, but a lot of them. But why is it so important, first and foremost, that we have to get the mindset right about sales before we can do anything else, before we can develop skills tools, et cetera. Why is the mindset for sales so important? Yeah. The most difficult sale any person makes is to themselves. If you can't believe in the outcome that you're going to create for somebody else, how in the world will you ever expect somebody to believe in you? This is just fundamental. And this is where I say, I say, agents, what you do is you take a piece of paper and you write down names of different clients you've got and you write down the outcome, not the policy you sold them, write down the outcome. How did they benefit because of this? And you make that list and you give yourself a big hug. You go, that's why I'm in business because I'm helping people see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. That's my goal as an agent. I want to help people regardless of what insurance I sell, regardless. It is to help others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. And I don't care if you're auto-focused, homeowners-focused, if you're liability, health, I don't care. I don't care. That's your goal. I love that. See and achieve. That's a yeah, catchy now, phrase. I yeah, love that. Stop and think about that because you can tell somebody that, but see and achieve means they have to believe in you. This is what's so funny because I'll use the example that somebody can tell you, oh, you have this chronic disease and you can blow it off because they don't have much weight with you. Mm-hmm. You hear that same word from a doctor mm-hmm. and you go, oh, I have a chronic disease. I need to get this taken care of. You see, this is the role we play as an agent. We get to be the expert, but we can't be the expert till we see ourselves as the expert. When we see ourselves as the expert, the greatest thing we can do is share stories. And when we share stories about other policyholders that we've had in other situations, it is amazing how, A, it pulls people into the conversation. 
but it now gives a tremendous amount of believability and confidence in what you're saying. Do you think it's important that, say, the agency has six total team members, the agency owner and five or six team members, something like that? Because it's come up before about having stories. Do you believe that it's important for the entire office to have maybe a story inventory? So the stories that they tell for different situations, and then ultimately each person's kind of putting their own spin on it, saying it their way, but the crux of it is illustrating a certain story that has happened in that office. Yes, by all means. And what you do is you simply create an inventory. Okay, these are all the various questions. These are all the various issues that we have had pop up. And what's the story that goes with it? Now, it's not that every time you meet with a client, every time you meet with a prospect, it's story time. No, but here's what I've found. I'm far more confident in my conversations when I know I have more I can share. Think about that for a moment, okay? Because the worst thing you can do is be in a conversation with a client and then you don't know where to go next. That's the ultimate fear. So if I know that I've always got stories in my pocket, I know I've got other things in my pocket that I can begin to share. It just increases my level of confidence. And here's what's amazing. When my level of confidence increases, I ask you better questions. And I also listen a lot better. And I'm much more comfortable with letting you, the client, drive. Now, this runs, well, this runs counter to what so many people have been taught. See, what I want to do is I just want to ask you one question. And whatever you share with me, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. And I'm going to ask you another question. And I may interject a story in there. You see, nobody wants to have a presentation. They want to have a conversation. Why do we run into this thing where so many people despise, oh, you're an insurance agent, you know, that, uh, because they're turned off by somebody who wore plaid and showed up at their door pitching some presentation. What they do want to have is they do want to have a conversation. Why is that so profound in sales, whether it's insurance sales or any other type of sales, that the idea is that when we're pitching or presenting or selling that we're the one doing the talking as opposed to asking the questions. Why is that so pervasive? Because there's just been way too many movies made about that and way too many bad memes and social media. (laughs) It's just one of those societal norms out there. But here's what I find. And I'll go back to a life insurance salesman that I wrote. I'll call the word salesman because this was back when I was about 23 years of age. He was a friend of my father. I had just graduated from college. It was shortly after I had my first job. Before I had been fired, I still remember it. He showed up and he took me to lunch. And he did nothing but ask me questions and just had a conversation with me. And he was able to get me into a very low value life insurance policy at the age of 23. But it was purely because he was willing to have a conversation with me. And he listened to me. And don't think that I wasn't willing to turn him off because I would have turned him off. First of all, he was old. He was a friend of my father. He was a life and, you know, all of the stereotypes. Sure. And yet before I left lunch with this gentleman, he had shared with me enough stories of people who 20 years younger, when they were 23, 24 years of age, had bought a life insurance and what it was worth to them. Boom. I'm sure you've read, this is more of a kind of in the marketing, but it makes me think about the book Donald Miller wrote, Building a Story Brand. Um, it's excellent. It's an excellent book. Every agent should read that book. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So tell me if you agree with this. I've heard this and I've actually said it myself is people buy on emotion, justify logically, and you do too. And we all do. And how do you think that that plays into sales and kind of what we were just talking about, about storytelling, tapping into, 
yes, here's the logical component. Yes, you have a loan. The bank's going to require you to get auto insurance. The state's requiring you get auto insurance. You have a mortgage. The bank's going to require you get homeowner's insurance. We all know those things. That's basic one-on-one. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the logical component, but people are really bound on emotion. I think this really plays into, especially with life insurance, as you were saying. It does. It does. Because the story plays to the emotion and it plays to the logic. Because think about it. The story allows you to be painted into that picture. Okay. So you can begin to relate to that. So that's the logical piece. And the emotional piece is because you begin to, hmm, emotionally see yourself as part of that person. Let's go back to some of these low priced auto insurance commercials that we see on television. Don't you think that they play on emotions? Sure, they play on emotions. You look at the characters, the taglines they have, so forth. Right, right, right. So we have to be very good at this game too. And we can be because we get to have a one-on-one conversation. And I don't care if it's face-to-face. I don't care if it's by way of social media. I don't care if it's by way of a phone call or a Zoom call, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still about connecting with people. See, here's the whole thing. My whole objective is to create a level of trust with you. Because when I create a level of trust with you, that's when you'll really begin to understand what it is that I'm saying. You'll value what I'm saying. And this comes back to this whole mindset. See, if I can't go into any conversation knowing that my objective is to create trust, because I say trust is currency. Trust is currency. The greater the level of trust you have, the more currency you'll have. There's a direct correlation there, you know, unless you're going out and robbing banks or defrauding securities. You know, So it really is, I mean, it plays to our strength. So what am I doing? I'm just having a conversation, just as we're doing here today. I really like trust as currency. I don't think I've ever heard that before. I really like that one. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents. So we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top-performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. So I want to go back one step. So we're talking about in the conversation, building trust, building a relationship, being outcome focused and asking questions and using stories to wrap through that both tapping into the emotional component and logical component, but we're also then assuming that we're having enough of those conversations. So I really want to get down into procrastination and I want to get into prospecting procrastination, quite frankly. All right. And so as salespeople, and we're leading as agency owners listening to this podcast, everybody's leading sales teams, whether you have two sales, one person on your team, two salespeople on your team or 22, you're leading sales teams and we procrastinate. We know the things that we need to do. And we just simply put it off. Why is that? Well, the number one issue that every insurance agency has is they sit there and they rely too much on referrals and repeat business. And they think they're going to grow just by way of great customer service. We don't really prospect. We just take referrals and repeat business and business that falls in our lap because of the brands we represent. And I go, if you do that, you are going to grow a very slow growth. Now, I hope you grow and, and you will grow. But this is the biggest 
issue because here's the problem with agencies. We're aging out. This industry is aging out. We are aging out. And if we don't get aggressive on hiring younger people and prospecting, and this is where I say you have to have a prospecting hour. You have to have a prospecting window on your calendar every day. And I don't care who you are. See, here's the whole thing. If you know you can make a difference in somebody's life, you owe it to them to reach out to them. You owe it to them to reach out to them. And if you don't reach out to them, you're doing them a disservice. Agency owners, you are just as responsible for being a rainmaker as anybody else. That means you have to have, hey, I make three outbound calls a day. I make five outbound calls a day. You have to because your agents will follow your lead. But here's the whole thing. You have to be aggressive in setting time every day. Prospecting is a muscle. And unless you exercise it, it becomes pretty flabby. And the best way you exercise it is by just doing a few calls every day. It might be three to five calls, might be 10 calls. If you're a new agent, it might be 20 calls. I don't know what it is, but you set the number and you establish your framework and you stick with it. Repetition is an amazing tool in anything and everything. But otherwise, all we've done is we have this great agency, great agency. And it's like having a membership to a fitness center, but it doesn't do any value unless we go into the fitness center. We have to go in. Outbound calls, prospecting is really just that. It's using the equipment that you've been provided. Do you suggest that the team members, the agent themselves, when they're doing this, set that time at the time that's best for them? Meaning, so think about their energy, right? Our energy kind of goes up and down throughout the day. Around 2.30, that's not the best time for me as an example. Two to three is probably my lowest energy time frame. So that would not be a great time for me to be personally making outbound calls as an example. What is your general philosophy on that? Is it just going to be the time that you know that you'll stick to it every single day to make it happen? No, I love doing it at a high energy time. Do it at a high energy time. And what you do is, this is the whole thing. You have to get in this habit, this whole thing. You're making an appointment with yourself. The most important appointments you make are the ones you make with yourself. And this is where I say that I'm going to set aside, for instance, in my book, A Mind for Sales, I talk about time blocking. And I love setting aside. Now, I kind of operate my calendar on what I call two by four. And it's not taking a two by four to your head, but it's four two-hour blocks. <laughs> and I create four two-hour blocks on most days. And there's one two-hour block that I'm purely prospecting. One two-hour block, I'm just dealing with existing customers. One two-hour block, I'm just taking care of emails and so forth. And another two-hour block that I kind of leave open. And I don't care how you do it, but you set aside time. Richard Branson, Warren Buffett, all your heavy high achievers do this. They literally make appointments with themselves. And if it works for them, why doesn't it work for us? It will work for us. And it's going to move us from just having this to do. Because here's the whole thing. I need to follow up with this. I need to follow up with this person. I need to follow up. Your work will expand to the amount of time available. Yeah, that's true. But if you say, I've got two hours to take care of customer service today, that's it. That's it. It's amazing how you'll get it done. You'll stay fixated on that. I totally agree. I mean, the most productive I'm going to be is on the day before, typically the Friday before that I'm going to leave on vacation. There you and go. So squeezing down that time. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You saying time blocking and setting aside the time is we've heard that before, but really people need to do it. You need to do it. It's not just learning this. It's actually going into your Outlook calendar or Google calendar and putting the time down to actually make it happen. And if you're an agency owner, when you see 
prospecting on one of your people's calendar, don't bug them. Don't bug them, please. You see, this whole thing, culture starts at the top. And if we want to have an outbound, if we want to have, I tell you what, every agency office could increase their productivity by 100%. Easy, easy. By simply getting into a time management practice of using their calendar and sticking with it. This person called and we got to call them back. And I go, hold it. Do you answer your cell phone when you're in the restroom? Now, I would hope most people don't. Okay, so relax. If I get back to them 15 minutes from now, it's going to be okay. I didn't really think I was going to ask you this, but to me, what you just mentioned there, I want to talk about attention and distractions because if you're in that time, so we're in our two by four time blocking time. So let's just say that it ends up being 11 to one. So that's my time that I'm supposed to be making calls and then I'm going to eat lunch after that. Let's mm-hmm. just say. So what's the recommend? I mean, we're so bombarded by this thing. I'm holding up my cell phone with messages and text and Facebook messages, et cetera. And our teams are as well. How can we manage our attention and our focus during those times that we need to be prospecting? You literally just have to shut it down. You just ignore, turn off updates on your phone, turn off updates on your computer. You don't need to know all this sort of stuff. You're right. We get bombarded between social media messages, text messages, telephone, all these various mediums. But you have to realize that are they there to support you or are you there to support them? And I find too many people, they're there to support them. Let me tell you something. If I were to send a text message right now to Mark Cuban, okay, we all know who Mark Cuban is. I don't think he's going to suddenly just text me back two seconds later. Sure. Because you know what? He's busy. And the most highly productive people that I know have very defined windows of time that they are doing this. I have a very defined window of time that I'm on social media, 30 minutes a day. That's it. And people say, Mark, you're all over the place on social media. Yeah, I am. But I've organized my time in such a way that I can do it in 30 minutes or less. I don't dink around. I get in, I get out. What you just mentioned there is what Napoleon Hill has referred to as definiteness of purpose. What now is referred to as intentionality, but he referred to it as definiteness of purpose. You're on there for a reason, for a purpose, and then you get in and then get out. This is so critical. And see, we don't realize the amount of time we waste. I have a phrase that I use, 1% CIM, continuous improvement model. And the idea is that you just want to improve yourself by 1% each week. And if you just improve yourself by 1% each week, think about where you'd be after a year. That's like a 50% improvement. Now go that over five, 10 years. Wow, it's incredible. It's just making these little improvements every day in how we remain focused. And here's what I found. If you can't remain disciplined in keeping the appointments with yourself, how will you ever remain disciplined in keeping appointments with clients? Think about that for a moment. Yeah, that's profound. It is. I mean, it's almost like if I was getting messages and calls and I was responding to those as we're on this podcast, I would never do that. I mean, it seems unreasonable. Number one, be disrespectful. But I mean, why do we not do that on the times that we're saying this is the time we're actually going to be focused on driving the sales in our business to ultimately reach the goals that we have laid out for our company? We as an industry preach engine on, cell phone off. I would hope every agent, we're out there preaching that. But here's the whole thing, because you have to be singularly focused when you're driving a vehicle, singularly focused. I believe that we get far more done when we are singularly focused. It increases our intentionality. It deepens our level of thinking. It takes us to the next level and our clients will thank us for it. 
yesterday you had a great one-liner when I asked you about just our service teams or our customer care teams, whatever they're called. And everybody listening to this has service team members that have been with them probably for a really long time. And they've said something to the effect to their owner. I'm just not a salesperson. I'm not going to do that sales stuff. That's for the rest of the team. And you had a concept that I really loved yesterday. And so I'd love for you to talk about that and just how we can begin to kind of reorientate, go back to mindset here. How yeah. We can reorientate our mindset for our customer care team members. The concept is called land and expand. Now think about this, land and expand. So you may be a full service agency and you sell somebody on a homeowner's policy. Okay. So you've landed them with the homeowner's policy. But now what you want to do is you want to be able to expand out. You want to be able to expand out into auto liability. You want to be able to expand out maybe into financial packages and so forth. And your customer service person says, well, I don't know what that looks like. Well, what you have to do is you have to help them have questions, easy, easy questions. And the easy questions might be, and this is what I love asking for people who sell retirement packages. Hey, what, what does retirement look like to you? It's just having a conversation. It's just simply having a conversation. It's just asking them, hey, great. How many cars have you guys got? Or, yo, you've got a 14-year-old. Wow. They're going to be driving pretty soon, aren't they? Yeah. Are you happy or freaking out about that? You just have simple conversations about what you already know about them. This is what's so easy about them. You may have somebody who you've sold a homeowner's policy to because they just moved into a new home because they got their in-laws are going to move in with them. Well, then the conversation can simply be, oh, so yeah, how are they doing in terms of their retirement plans and so forth? And it's amazing. You just take whatever piece of information that you have and you just ask them a question on it. It's not a sales question. It's just a conversation question. Mm-hmm. And what does that do? That begins to get you more information. And as you get more information, it just leads itself to think, hey, you know what? We might be able to help you out here with this. Yeah. Let me get somebody on the phone with you. Let me follow up with you on this. If you think about banking, this comes out of banking. Banking is designed that you don't become profitable until you get to about six products with any bank. In other words, six products. So you may open up a savings account, but then their objective is to get you with a, a checking account or savings account, a CD a credit card of some nature, other, other. And they know that as they get more and more products with you, you become more and more profitable to them. This is the same thing with you. So land and expand. You want to be very aggressive as an agency and helping your people have those easy, easy conversations. Yeah, I love the concept of land and expand. It's catchy, but it makes a lot of sense. And I think for our customer care team members, ultimately lowers the pressure for them to feel like that they're having to sell something as opposed to just having a genuine curiosity and asking questions that ultimately can then lead to, and if it needs to get over to, if your structure of your office is to get right. that over to a somebody who can close it. Right, maybe right, close, but right. Yeah. The way this happens is that you sit there and say, oh yeah, man, I've got a 15 year old. And I'll tell you what, actually, you know what I'm kind of liking is that he really wants a new iPhone versus a driver's license. And I'm kind of happy about that. Hey, how old are your kids? And see, it's amazing when you begin to share your personal story, the client begins to share their personal story. It's not creepy. It's just having a conversation. I want to talk to you about compensation and hiring. Two, obviously, concepts tied together. But let's first talk about compensation. So what are some of the, I guess, mistakes that you have seen made from the owner's perspective the agency owner's perspective when trying to hire sales team members regarding compensation. And then I want to ask you a couple of questions around hiring. I was on the phone with an agent in 
Arizona this morning and he was just sharing some things about his team and frustrations with that and trying to get some more sales producers. So it's kind of poignant. And so many people listen to this have had, if you're not having that trouble now, you've had it at some point. We all have regarding recruiting and hiring. But I do want to ask almost to share some of your thoughts around the do's and don'ts with compensation. Well, let's talk about hiring compensation all at once. First of all, you may say you don't need to hire somebody. You need to hire somebody. Everybody needs to be hiring. And you don't hire for the position. You hire because of the talent. Let's break this down into compensation. One of the things that so many agency owners make the mistake is they heavy up on commission variable. And you're not going to really have much of a base pay. And let me tell you something. You're going to pay for that dearly because that person's going to know that you're not investing in them. You are not investing in them. And if you're not willing to invest in them, guess what? You won't. But if you know that you're paying their base pay, you know that you're taking care of this, you're taking care of this. You know what? You now have an investment. You're going to naturally put more time and effort into it. Second, you better be prepared to pay. Let me tell you something. Good salespeople are not cheap. And don't think for a moment that you're going to be the one who's going to suddenly magically get the cheap. No, it's not going to happen. You have to be willing to pay. And don't think for a moment. And I had this conversation with an agency owner just last week. He said, I'm tired of hiring. I've hired five people and they've all quit on me within a few months. There's no good salespeople out there. I had to have a little heart to heart conversation with him. I said, you know what? The problem is not the people you're hiring. It might be you. He didn't like that. But you know what? That's what it is. You see, here's the whole thing. You create a culture. You cannot hire a person and turn them loose. You must nurture them. You must water. It's like planting a garden. You better nurture it. You better weed it. You better tend to it daily. Because otherwise, weeds are going to pick up. Weeds are going to start growing. And suddenly, you're going to come to harvest time, and you're not going to have anything to show for it. You've got to invest. Now, what should compensation look like? Heavy up compensation on new clients. There's no doubt about it. I am very big, very heavy into saying, hey, here's $100 Amex cards. Here's $100 gift cards. Here's weekend at this hotel or something of this nature. I love doing things like that because it keeps it out of base pay. Because once you begin putting it into base pay, it just keeps building, building, building. So I'm always going to have some sort of a contest, some sort of a thing running for my team. But it's always going to be different. And here's the key piece on new hires. Help them celebrate success regardless of what it is. Mm. Because think about it, new agent comes in and they're not exactly setting the woods on fire. And it's easy for them to get discouraged. Sure. You know what? You celebrate them with the number of phone calls they made. You celebrate with them the fact that they maybe had two good conversations. You celebrate with them. This is like teaching a little baby to walk. The baby pulls themselves up and they walk two steps and they fall over. What do you do? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you help them get back up again. They fall over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't beat them up or you don't ignore them. You encourage them. You have to treat this new agent just like this baby, just like this toddler. I think that's great. There's a podcast that we did. It hasn't come out yet from the time of this recording, but we were talking about celebrating small wins, just exactly what you're saying. So for this to come up again, I think is so important. Dan Sullivan has a quote that says, the eyes only see and the ears only hear what it is the brain is looking for. And if we're scanning for negative, then we're going to find more of negative, quite frankly. But if we're scanning for the positives, we're going to get more of that. And it's, oh, where did it come from? Maybe the book, Who Moved My Cheese? I'm not really sure. But catch people doing something right, not just catch them doing something wrong. Is that what you're saying? And what I tell new agents, for instance, 
every morning, take that new agent and share with them a success story. Have a success minute where you share with them a success story about something that you did for a previous client. And the idea is to motivate them, is to enthuse them, is to get them realizing what they do. It's not dialing for dollars. It's not, oh, but they begin to see that, wow, this really makes a difference. Have a success moment every morning for the first several months with a new agent. I like that. A success moment. I like that's good. There's a book, The Power of Moments. Have you read that book? Yes, I have. Excellent book. And it just made me think about that. Just having those success moments. Now he's talking about maybe even day one, creating a day one, just a memorable day for a brand. That is a fantastic book. I can't recall who wrote that book, but I really do love having success moments. But you're saying do it daily, do it daily, especially early on to build the confidence. Here's the whole thing. The first 30, 45 minutes of every day sets the tone for the day. That's without a doubt, it sets the tone for the day. If I'm not willing to invest in my people that first 30, 45 minutes a day or help them set up a success plan. I talk about that in my book, A Mind for Sales Lab. It's amazing how little productivity will be. And then the next second piece is the 30 minutes right after lunch. We'll say that they kind of break for lunch. Again, because you come back from lunch and you're like, (laughs) and I got to fire up. And at the end of the day, this is what's so critical. I always come back to a new agent and say, how did they go? What did we learn? What was the success? And again, allow them to share their success story and help them map out tomorrow. Tomorrow begins today. I can't stress this enough. You can't allow anybody and yourself included to come into the office, come into work and not know exactly what you're going to do. You end the day by planning out tomorrow. Tomorrow begins today. I love it. So I really want to make sure that we touch on this because I alluded to it earlier. And I think it's such an incredible illustration of perseverance and sticking to the plan no matter what obstacles we face. And that is your book, help me if I'm wrong, I think it was March 20th or March 31st is whenever- March 31st is when it was released. I mean, we're in the middle of the pandemic at that point. Not in the middle, maybe we're in the thick of it. It's just beginning. We're in total lockdown at that point. So that date I know had to have been set months and months with your publisher in advance. And first of all, let me just say the fact that you've written so many books is incredibly inspiring to me. I mean, just for- you to have the discipline for writing the books and doing everything that you do is quite frankly, admirable and amazing. So I just have to say that to you, first of all. But whenever you were telling me that yesterday, that, hey, look, we had this date in place, but we were going to push forward on this date no matter what. And it's a global 100 year plus type event that we've been going through. And you said, no, the show must go on. We're going to move forward. So you just talk about that because I think it's such a great illustration for business and in life and in sales. Yeah, well, that date had been selected six months earlier because it was all driven around conferences and events and big bulk sales and big events and tours, all kinds of stuff. And of course, early March, the pandemic begins to take hold. And I begin getting phone calls from people saying, put the launch off, stop the launch, don't do the launch, just wait a few months, just wait a few months. Well, could you imagine if I just waited a few months? It wouldn't have been any better. Now, here's the whole thing. The book is called A Mind for Sales. A Mind, hello, A Mind. And so I'm thinking to myself, first of all, I'm not going to. Second of all, it runs total counter to the whole book, A Mind for Sales. I built the plan. I created the plan. We're going to execute the plan. So what we did was we pivoted, we shifted, we put in quickly in place some new elements. We took out some elements, but we're going. And we launched the book March 31st. And it took off. It zoomed to number one on Amazon. That first day it came out, it did incredibly well. It's still doing incredibly well. 
And there was never any doubt in my mind of delaying it because that's not me and it's not the message of the book. And this is what we have to do in sales. You plan your work and you work your plan. Stick with it. Stick with it because otherwise I could have got caught up in shiny object. Oh, wait a couple months. Then we'll say in July, oh, well, but back. I still would not have launched a book. No, you go. Salespeople are committed because here's the whole thing. I knew the message in the book was going to help people. I had more people who, after it came out, a couple of weeks after, said, wow, how did you write a book so fast? Because this book was clearly written for the pandemic. And I go, see, now think about that. If I had waited, that message would not have been heard by those people who needed to hear it. Agency owners, when you build your business plan, you stick with it. Don't sit there and deviate. Now, like I said, I made some little tweaks instead of this advertising, we did this and so forth. But the plan itself was still the plan. It went. Your subtitle of the book is Daily Habits and Practical Strategies for Sales Success. And my last question I want to ask you is tying our mindset to our daily habits. Just the connection of beginning in the mind and then ultimately going into daily habits. I just would love to get your final thoughts on really just mindset and daily habits. Well, this comes back to this whole premise that first 45 minutes, an hour of the day sets the tone. I get up at 4.30 every morning. I have a very set routine that I go through. But what does it do? It moves my mind to a completely different level of thinking. And by the time 8 o'clock rolls around 7 o'clock, it's amazing how much work I've been able to get done. And yet I've already had a chance to spend quiet time with myself. I've already been able to work out. I have showered. And yet I've already done several key, ma- you know, it just moves. Here's the whole thing. I want to be able to ask myself at 10 a.m., have I made enough of a difference in my business today that if I were to quit today, the rest of the day, mm-hmm. it would still be a good day? That's my goal. And then I go, so wow, come 10 o'clock, I've already hit some home runs and it's just 10 o'clock. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I'll tell you what, it increases And productivity for the sake of productivity is irrelevant because it really is about the R and G factor is what I'm doing, revenue producing, and G is goal driven. Mm. Everything I do over the course of the day is really designed to help me maximize revenue, create revenue, prospecting, working with clients, et cetera, or G, help me achieving a goal. Mm. And that's what I want. I want to have a mindset that says I'm R and G focused. I'm R and G focused. What a great way to finish the podcast. I love that. I love that. Being focused on revenue and focused on driving towards the goal, which, by the way, means that you have goals set out, set in place, written down that you're actually achieving. Because if you don't have anything, you're too abstract. I mean, too often people say, I just want to grow. Grow to what? What number? What do you want to do? And they just don't have any numbers out there. Earlier, you mentioned that whenever you have, you bring people on, you have to be able to nurture them. You have to be able to pour into them, make investments in these assets of the business. Our teams are the greatest asset that we have in a service-based business. I mean, at a minimum, the thing that they should do is buy your book, invest in it, do a book study for your entire team, for you. There's no other better investment dollar for dollar than to be able to do that and buy the book for your team and pour into them and say, you know what? I think that this would help you. I think this would help our team. Let's do this book study together. So I'm going to let you in just a second. Um, We're going to transition to our world famous E9 rapid fire questions. And I will make sure that people know how to find you and where they can get your book. Does that sound good? Sure. All right. What's the last book that you read? The last book I've read is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I highly recommend it. Great book. 
Other than your books, what's the book that you would recommend the most to other insurance agency owners? Atomic Habits. I'll tell you what, it's a great book. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good book. If there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play you in that movie and why? I have no idea. I'm not a movie person. There you go. All right. That's good. I haven't had that answer before. So I think that's great. All right. What is your favorite tech tool or app that you use that is the least well-known? The least well-known app is, well, I mean, my most favorite app is Slack, but probably most people know that. But that is my most favorite app. Probably when I go to the most. Yeah, Slack's awesome. Who would you like to sit next to on a 10-hour flight whenever we're able to fly again? But dead or alive, who would you love to sit next to on a 10-hour flight? Warren Buffett or Mark Cuban? Fill in the blank. 10 years ago, I had no idea this would be so hard. 10 years ago, I had no idea writing books would be so hard. Hey, I'd love to talk to you about that. I aspire to be able to produce my first book at some point. And so I would love to kind of get some tips on things you've learned doing all that with your books. Favorite travel destination? Wow, so many of them. I absolutely love Melbourne, Australia. What's the one thing that has been the biggest blessing from the COVID-19 pandemic in your life? Spending the last year at home with my wife. I normally travel about 250 days a year. I've traveled a little bit. But being home with my wife this much has been really amazing. It's been shocking to the dog, too. (laughs) It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. So what is the best piece of the leadership advice you've ever received? Your goal each day is to influence and impact people. And when you do that, you will have earned the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to come back and help them again. That's fantastic. Mark, I can't thank you enough. People want to learn more about you. Where can they pick up the books? How can they find you? What's the best place for them to go? Well, the website is thesaleshunter.com book. You can get them at most bookstores or go out online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy your favorite books. Or you can go to the website, thesaleshunter.com, or there's a website, amindforsales.com. Both will take you to Amazon, whatever. And But yeah, pick up the book, read it. It is a game changer in helping people really change how they look at things. Mark, thanks for everything that you do in the world. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Really do appreciate it. I've enjoyed this conversation so much, and I hope to have you on again in the future. Thank you. We had a great episode. Really appreciate Mark coming on. I have followed Mark for a uh, many number of years, so it was an absolute pleasure to be able to have him come on the podcast. Whenever he talked about compensation and hiring and just how it's changed so much, I mean, I can remember... 10 years ago in my first business about you really could hire people at lower base salaries and then be able to have these high commissions. And it's just changed a lot over the last 10 years. And I think many of you that have been in business now can really relate to that is that you've got to really pay to get high value, really good people on your team. And given low base salaries and these high commissions, it just is really difficult to work at this point. So they know their value in the marketplace and having really a strong sales team members, you really do need to pay up. I thought that was important. Also, we talked about small wins and celebrating success. There was another podcast, Future Legacy Partners, that we talked about celebrating the small wins too, and especially doing it early on at the time that a new sales team member or really any team member has been with your business. There's been a lot of different ways to think about time blocking 
And his two by four strategy about having two hours for prospecting, two hours for existing customers and serving them, two hours that's just kind of open and then two hours to work through emails and kind of more of the back office things. I've never heard that strategy and I really did like it. And I think just the most important thing with that was just having a time and making sure every day you're setting aside the right amount of time for prospecting. He did come at it from a different perspective about referrals and referrals and having a referral based business has come up on this podcast quite often, either through a, a guest agent spotlight that we've had on or just through any of our speakers. And I really did love the fact that he came in and said, look, it's important to recognize getting referrals. But if that's the only place that you're thinking that you're going to grow your business, unless you have an intentional strategy at this in this marketplace, you really do have to be aggressive in your prospecting strategies and having, again, kind of come back to the time blocking and having windows to do that every single day for you and for your team. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring back up again, just the importance of having stories and story inventory. Do you have a place that you've told stories and you tell your stories, but if you've captured those either in a video or in a Word document that anybody on the team can access, have they heard you say it? Do you, I mean, pay for Vimeo and upload those stories so that they can hear how you've shaped that story, either about an auto accident or a life insurance case. All of us have those stories, but unless we've actually put those in an inventory that our team can learn from that, and then they can share that. And when do they share that in a sales conversation or whenever they're talking to somebody, I think that is important to actually do the work to create those story inventories. Do go visit his website, thesaleshunter.com. You'll see all of the programs that he has, all the books that he's written. Again, the most recent book that he came out with, I Mind for Sales, Daily Habits and Practical Strategies for Sales Success. Maybe the, one of the best things that you can do for your team is to go buy a $30 book and go through it as a team over the next two months and pull out some of the nuggets and allow them to learn together. Not just you learn and then share your takeaways, but actually learning together can create a culture of growth and development. And isn't that what we all want? Because if we're all growing, the business grows through the backs of the individual people growing. And speaking of growing, really got to give a shout out to our friends at Direct Clicks. If you're looking to grow and you're listening to this podcast, I know that you want to grow your business. Reach out to our friends at Direct Clicks. Go to directclicksinc.com. I have had a pleasure of working with Direct Clicks myself, but also just in hearing the stories of the people that have worked with them. They are incredibly passionate at building a relationship, just like Mark was saying the importance of building a relationship. They really do not just look at you like as another sale or another number. They get to know you. They get to know your business and what it is that you want to accomplish. Building a relationship and having trust and transparency are paramount for everything that they do at Direct Clicks. Go to directclicksinc.com. Reach out to them. Just say, hey, look, I'm wanting to grow my business. I don't really know about SEO. I know it's important. I know I need to have a presence. I don't know a ton about pay-per-click, but I do want to know. And just let them walk you through and ask you a few questions, get to know you and see if they're a good fit for you and your business. This was a good one. Hope to have Mark back on in the future. Until next time, lead well.